Hello everybody and welcome to today's podcast. Today it's a really is a great pleasure to have with us Julianne Ziegler, who is a GOTS representative based and covering Germany, Austria and Switzerland. And today we're going to talk about organic cotton. Um, very, very, very important. Lots and lots to get to through. And I think we have about eight or nine questions for you today. So Julianne, thank you so, so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the invitation. It's such such an important subject. It really is There's so much to dive into. So let's crack on. Julian, when was GOTS founded and what are its main objectives? So GOTS, um, standing for Global Organic Textile Standards, uh-huh. for those of you who don't know, um, was founded actually in 2002. So last year in 2022, we had our 20th anniversary was quite exciting Mm -hmm. and um, it was founded with the intention to basically cover the niche the existing niche of of creating a certification that looks at the processing of organic fibers and at that time nothing like that was existent Mm -hmm. so there were like four standard organizations smaller ones covering small regions or small scale uh, organizations uh, production sites but nothing on a large global scale. So those four standard setting organizations, one based in the UK, one based in the US, Japan and Germany, they united and they formed the working group around um, GOTS. And that started in 2002. And then in 2006, after the initial phase and developing the standard and you know, having documentation and the implementation manual, um, that's when the first uh, certification took place. So, yeah, we're out there since since now 20 years and really active in the certification scheme since 2006. And how would you say it's grown over that time? Um, actually, if you look at the graph, you can very much see a steady growth yep. um, up until 2017. Yep. It was growing and growing and growing. And then from 2017 until now, we have doubled the numbers. So especially within those last years, despite the challenges, global challenges, pandemic, um, the war, energy crisis, whatnot, the demand is growing and was growing. And we're covering over 75 countries with more than 13,000 wow. certified factories. 13,000 certified factories now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Growing, yeah, that's the latest number. That's the numbers that were just released from 2022. Um, and, yeah, looking at uh, looking at what the market says, looking at the echo I do receive from my market is that a lot of the companies, they're actually looking for a solution. They're looking for sort of a risk management tool, something that gives them the assurance that my supply chain is all right. I don't have to worry that any um, like human rights risks uh, are going to be in my supply chain or that I'm going to harm the environment. And um, yeah, people just uh, 
I think it's a, it's, it's a mix of what's happening in politics, what's happening in a global scale, also what consumers more and more ask for. So there's no, almost no way anymore of saying like, I don't know. I don't know where my supplies no, coming from. The, the, there is no point in denial. It's coming, isn't it, really? Transparency exactly. and traceability, all of that's coming and we're going to move on to that to that later. So, Julianne, could you explain how, why is it so important for certification? Why is it such an, uh, an integral part of our f- future and how we improve the environment? Well, um, certification is an important part already and will be an integral part in the future simply because the supply chains, the textile supply chains are so complex yes. and so long and span all over the globe. And even even for small companies or startups, they might be able to try in the beginning to you know monitor their supply chain and know where their, all their raw material is coming from, where is it processed. But once you you reach a certain scale, it's almost impossible for you to see through and to to be able as a company, as a brand, to look look at it yourself. So you must have some sort of assurance that when my products are being produced, you know, there's not going to be any environmental or social risk. Mm-hmm. And, and this cannot be done just by laws, maybe in certain countries, but in a, in a lot of the countries, especially production countries, those laws are just not sufficient enough to protect, like, nature and the people on a, on a, on a high scale. Um, and that's simply where certification comes in because it's something that's going to be taking place on the ground. And once a company is granted the certification and the buyer or the supplier knows, okay, I can rely on a certain set of criteria that are being met in that factory without actually having to go there. Okay. I'm not saying that it's it's not also important to try and maintain a, a good relationship with your suppliers as well. And the certification is a baseline. It's not the the ultimate overall solution when it comes to sustainability, but it's 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 a good basis and it it's something that gives you yeah trust. Yeah, very important. And, yeah, very very and, important. So, Julianne, what defines organic cotton? Let's kind of go back to basics. And the second part of that question was how much is actually available worldwide? But, but a lot of people misunderstand what organic cotton is. So if you could run through that, that would be so helpful. Yeah, understandably. I think yeah. the market is so – everybody's advertising organic cotton and the people are not really aware, which is um, – yeah, I mean, nobody really educates about it too much. Um, but basically, organic cotton or any organically grown fiber, because, for instance, like we do cover organic fibers. So besides cotton, it could be wool, it could be linen, hemp, um, any naturally grown fiber or deriving from, from a farm animal can be processed in, in the gut supply chain. And... Organic management systems, basically, they look at the farming, they look at the at the ground, they look at that no harmful pesticides are being used. And basically, that has an effect on the farmers involved. It has an effect on, on the animals or the crops, obviously, and also the soil. And something um, we are not aware of, like, 
because in conventional farming, oftentimes there's so many pesticides being used and the soil, it just sinks into the soil and it stays there for years and it goes into the groundwater and it, you know, like the whole circle begins. It's something we're going to be eating, drinking. It reaches so many aspects of our life. And that's also why organic farming is such a crucial part when it comes to looking at our environment, looking at our health. Um, it also uh, doesn't just, uh, a lot of the times when it comes to conventional farming, there's GMO, genetically modified seeds being used. Uh-huh. And um, so the farmers also sort of uh, get into um, a circle of independent, like dependence. Yeah. Because every year they have to buy new seeds because those plants they would only grow for a year. They have to buy the um, respective pesticides to make them grow faster, to obviously have the yield in the end. And uh, whereas organic farming, the farmers, for instance, they can do crop rotation. So they might not just rely on organic seeds, organic cotton, but they also have different crops. So the that gives them different sources of income. Um, the pay for the farmers is fair. Human rights are being respected. And also, as mentioned, the soil isn't... isn't um, degraded. Yeah, well, degraded, yeah. Mm. So it's, it's a holistic... It's a real... It's a holistic management system. Um, but what we must be aware of is that... In the EU, oftentimes the term organic in, in relation to textiles is not protected. Okay. Whereas for food it is, but textiles, the claim can be made even though a product might only contain like a very low percentage of organic fibers. That's interesting. It's very interesting, yes. And a lot of the times some labels or some some claims they work with a so-called mass balance Mm -hmm. i'm not going to give any names here but that basically means that in the beginning of the supply chain organic fibers are being mixed with conventional fibers yep and then the fabric is made out of it and then the fabric is cut and trimmed and manufactured but that ultimately means that the final product might not even contain organic fibers anymore but still, due to that mass balance system, they might still make the claim this T-shirt is made with organic fibers. And that's why it's so important to have a standard a certification like GOTS as well, because we do require that every, every product contains at least a minimum of 70% organic fibers. Okay. Yes, so that gives the consumer the guarantee purchasing a GOT-certified product. I know that this product, there's been no harmful chemicals uh, that went into the product. It contains 70% organic fibers at least. Mm-hmm. So d- does that does that imply then, Julianne, that if, if somebody was sourcing a cotton that was 70% organic and 30% recycled, for example, it could still be got certified? Um, it could be, yes. So we do allow additional fibres, uh, obviously, because um, so we have two uh, labour grades. We have made with organic, that's 70% organic fibres. Okay. And then we have the labour grade organic. And then the product contains 
um, 95% organic fibers. And the additional fibers, they must comply with our criteria for additional fibers. And it can be recycled fibers. We do allow recycled fibers up to uh, 20%. So, for instance, recycled polyester could be used in a T-shirt 20%. Okay. Okay. But with the certification demand that the transparency was there for those additional fibers as well? You mean that must they knew where they were well, from? Yeah. So we do not. I mean, it must. It says in the hang tech and the Sue N label, it would say, okay, this T-shirt is made from seventy percent organic cotton and thirty percent or twenty percent whatever okay. is the extra fiber. Um, but for those fibers, we do requ- in the certification we do require the respective uh, transaction certificate, basically the evidence that those fibers derive from certain sources and that those criteria also met for the additional fibers. Great. So this is all, that all goes into the basically assessment uh, slash auditing process of the products and the facilities. Very important. Very, very interesting. Julianne, I know it's difficult to quantify, but how much how much organic cotton is available worldwide in a typical year? Is it Yeah. Well, I mean demand is growing. Yeah. Demand is growing drastically. Um, and uh, there's been a bit of a of a challenge lately that demand almost overgrew uh, supply. Mm-hmm. Um, but whenever we, so we don't have numbers ourselves, but Textile Exchange releases the organic uh, cotton market report every year. And then they look at the harvest of the previous year. And in their report, in their last report, they stated that there were, um, around 3,000, 300,500, 300, 300,000, 500, um, tons of cotton. Okay. And compared to the previous year, there was an increase of 30% growth. And what's also important uh, in that aspect is not just to look at the organic cotton that's currently being grown and harvested, but also look at the so-called organic fibers in conversion. That's also something we do support in our standard. to basically support farmers on their way to transition from conventional farming to organic farming. Mm -hmm. Because the huge challenge here is that in that transition period, usually they couldn't sell their crop as organic yet, but starting to transition, yield usually goes down a bit at first. So Uh if that being supported then they would um, yeah, lose lose income basically so what we do is that we do allow um, organic fibers in conversion usually the process depending on, on the amount of pesticides that were being used in conventional farming but usually it takes up to three years until the soils are being healthy and um, so we do allow the usage of uh, organic fibers in conversion in GOTS after the first year. And I'm saying that because also Textile Exchange was looking at those numbers. And I think here we are almost uh, talking about 200,000 tons of um, organic fibers in conversion. 
It's very, very and interesting. I mean, that was rotten nut. Yeah, I mean, a 30, 30% increase is huge. It's huge, yeah. It's such it's a huge. short time window with a three-year, um, with that three-year generation moving Ooh. into organic. So you could expect to see, you know, huge strides made then in the next few yeah. years because, you know, the market always swings supply and demand. The higher the demand, the, the more crops um, will be grown. Um, but as you say, they have to be grown through through certification. All takes time. And, and I think a lot of the times the brands are not aware of the process. And, and that was something that happened within the last years when, you know, the pressure was growing and the talk around sustainability yeah. became more present and companies felt pressure to to become active. I mean, yes. and, and then everybody all of a sudden was panicky and was like, okay, we need organic cotton. Um, but then at the same time, there's a lack of understanding. Where does it actually come from? Mm-hmm. And what goes into farming organic cotton and what support is needed for the farmers on a field level? And that lack of, of knowledge sort of uh, also created frustration because then markets were complaining. I mean, prices for cotton were going skyrocketing crazy. And and now there's more and more like awareness and projects. And also like we try and educate around the whole importance of organic conversion. And I personally think it's almost more uh, crucial to support in conversion yes. as, than, than buying in um, organic yeah. cotton. How does yeah. Julianne? How does um, how does got support whilst companies um, whilst growers are converting? How do we how do we support the growers? Yeah, yeah. Well, we support by simply allowing um, in conversion uh, fibers in in our got supply chain. Um, but maybe here yeah, I have to start from the beginning because we as GOTS, we do set the criteria for the processing chain. So basically, we start with the first uh, processing stage for cotton, that would be the ginning. Um, we start looking with that facility to implement our criteria. So when we talk field level, we do not actually have our own criteria standard for the field, but we do define requirements for the fibers, how must they be grown. So basically, we require the organic fibers to be certified organic um, and then there's the, an organization which is called iFoam International. Mm-hmm. And basically they again then cover organic certification um, standards on a field and farm level. So any fiber that's grown accordingly can go into the GOT system. And then obviously the, there also has to be the, the respective evidence, uh, certificates, etc to prove that that fiber is being grown organically. And the same goes for the fiber has been grown and is in conversion. Very interesting. It really is. Julian, one of the biggest things that I come across in the marketplace is how certification is misunderstood. Um, and I think that typically is across the entire supply chain. So, you know, I've come across numerous instances where people are, are using GOTS certified cottons but their process isn't certified. So could you just, it's, as I said, therefore it's lost its certification if you as a company are not certified. So 
could you just explain how GOTS authenticates then a, um, a supply chain? So, you know, you could perhaps use a printer as an example of that. Well, so for, for GOTS, the, the quality assurance for GOTS product is that it's been processed according to the GOTS criteria all along the supply chain. Okay. So that essentially means that there can be no gap, like no stage can be left out. Any stage that sort of processes or manufactures the goods must be got certified in order to make a claim on the on the final product. Yes. Because otherwise, the chain would be interrupted. So, for instance, we have a ready-made like a like a like a t-shirt, a manufactured t-shirt, and then that's been coming from a got certified factory going to a conventional printer. Mm-hmm. And they print onto the T-shirt. The T-shirt might already be labeled, and then they say, "Okay, it's fine because it has gods in there, so we're just gonna, you know, go with it." Um, but I mean, it's obvious that any color, any ink, any process that goes onto that shirt sort of, you know, has an impact, and Absolutely. also on, on, on the environment, on the on the consumer wearing it, on the people involved in the process. So it's essential for us as a standard that only if the complete chain is being covered and looked at and audited, the product can carry the God's logo, which again gives the consumer the, the quality assurance. I know that this garment is, you know, I can trust, I can rely on it. I know that it's been compliant, like in its, the way it's made, it was compliant yeah. socially and environmentally. So important, isn't it, that we have that transparency, which kind of <clears throat> leads us on to the next question, I guess, really. What, Julian, what would you say that the biggest challenge is currently for the textile industry in regard to transparency and traceability? Well, the lack. <laughs> yeah, the absolute lack of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean... Is the industry resisting it? Are there sections of the industry that are resisting it? Or is it is it is it so cumbersome? Are they in denial that this is actually going to happen and you get they're going to really need it if they want to supply their consumers? It's it's interesting because we have it there's both out there. There's 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 the side that really demands it and they want transparency and they want to know what's my supply chain, etc. Where uh-huh. where does everything come from? And then there's the there's the side where they're like, Yeah, but we want to keep it confidential. Yes. And it's this the simple out of the simple fact that they don't wanna lay open their comp- out of uh, competitive reasons. Uh-huh. They don't want to say, okay, this is my supplier. This is where I get my raw material from because otherwise my competitor is going to go there and then they're going to do the exact same thing. Um, so here I have the feeling that it's almost, I mean, besides the innovation and technology that we still need or are currently being uh, building, yes. we also are currently building a centralized database. And there's already some great innovation out there. Um, besides that, it also needs almost like a like a change of mindset. Okay. Um, understanding that if we as an industry want to create change and impact, yeah, we can go about and do it by ourselves, but it's going to be very little and it's going to be very challenging and we might not have enough means. Whereas if 
you know, there's more collaboration, the impact can be much greater. And oftentimes it does make sense for companies to unite and source mm -hmm. because they can, you know, get better deals or have better relations with the suppliers. Um, yeah, but it's, we're not, we're not there yet. I hope we're working towards it. I think we can educate, we can talk and also challenges like we'll show uh, the industry that, okay, there's something that needs to change. And oftentimes the supply chain is also very complex. And then once you start working with agency, intermediate agencies, they wouldn't tell like who's the suppliers. They wouldn't sometimes even allow the brands to go visit factories and facilities because they also signed some sort of confidential contract that they wouldn't, they couldn't simply allow um, the buyers to see it. But I mean, we work, we're working on it. For instance, like we as a standard setter, we always like for, we require the country of origin, the region of origin of the raw material to be transparent all along the supply chain. Mm -hmm. So basically, even the, the retail buyer, the trader at the end of the chain can still know, okay, the, the cotton comes from the south of India, for instance. And I know that by purchasing God's goods, then I have the transparency of my supplier and, again, their suppliers, etc. So Yeah, but I guess, you know, if, if that certification chain is in place... And as you say, you give the location, but you don't actually have to give the end, give the final, the actual source, would you? Do you think that is a huge, as you say, you know, identifying people's supply chains and opening that up to competitors is perhaps what's holding a lot of people back from doing it? Yeah. 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 You know, and you can understand that, Julianne, can't you? Because you know, these are these are supply chains that have been established for, you know, in some instances, hundreds of years. You know, they're very, very strong relationships that people work really hard at. Um, but we do have to somehow break that code and find some kind of compromise that, uh, exactly. that unlocks it for everybody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think in that sense, that's also the mindset change I'm talking about because I think we need to rethink yeah. how we actually, how is the industry working and at what cost yes and is still growth, growth growth like over everything and so there's, there's changes but they're coming slow sometimes i think too slow we're changing too slow yeah i think everybody yeah. thinks that you know the more the more we look towards 2030 and all the other you know key dates that are in you know, international diaries worldwide, you just think, how on earth is this going to happen? And, you know, you're absolutely right. Unless everybody collaborates, regardless of where they, who's, which chair they're sat in, we're not going to speed it up. And we really, really do have to. We, we really do for the next generation, most definitely. Yeah, collaboration is, is so important. I think it's it one is. of the key. It is, most definitely. Julianne, um, what advice would you give to a print business, for example, that was looking to adopt GOTS certification? Where would they start? So let's let's encourage more people to get on board with this. Where would they start and what is involved? Well, I mean, how to get started? Um, 
Initially, you can always contact me or any other representatives, God's representative. We have them in different regions worldwide. So if you want to get started with the certification process, you have no idea how to go about it. Uh-huh. What you can do, you can uh, message one of us. You can also visit the, the website um, mm-hmm. where we have a whole like step list on certification. And then from there, it goes to contacting um, um, the certification body because the certification is being implemented by the independent certification bodies. So we are the standard setting organization and we advise and consult and develop the standard. And that certification itself is being done by the CVs is a short form certifiers. Which is independent, really. Yeah. It's really independent. Yeah, exactly. It's so, so important. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, they they have to go through an accreditation process, obviously, and they're also being monitored and supervised um, by us and by IOS, so another third uh, organization. Um, basically, then also they're being looked at in so-called shadow audits to see that, you know, the work is being done mm-hmm. according to the standard. But they do work independently. They have their own price setting. Uh, so the next step for an organization would be to get in touch with the certification body. Also, we do have the list on our website, contact a CV in your region and basically state the scope of your organization. So if you're printing or if you're manufacturing, I think your example was, was addressing print printers. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, then you would have to, a printer would have to contact a, um, a certification body that covers the printing scope. Mm-hmm. And also, and then explain their business case. And then the next step, the certificate, the certifier would come back to them and give them like initial information about timeline, cost, what needs to be implemented, what needs to be assessed, prepared, etc. And printers also, obviously, they must look at the inks or any chemical inputs they are using that those are being um, assessed. Yes. So those those must be approved. The chemicals, they cannot be certified but approved to GOTS, and that approval must take place also through a certification body and form of a, they must fill out a so-called safety data sheet and provide all the information. And then the, any chemical inputs that are being approved are also going to be listed in our positive list. It's a list we have on our website. Uh-huh. And Basically, that list contains all chemical inputs that are allowed in God's processing. And then, obviously, the standard and the implementation manual contains, like, any residue limits, restrictions on chemicals and inputs. Yeah, yeah. And to be clear, unless all of that is, all of that chain is followed and certified, then... Just to simplify this, you could buy an organic got certified GOTS cotton, um, but you can print it. But if you're not certified as the printer, it's no longer certified as GOTS. You've broken the chain. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, it's very, very, very important that we, that as an industry, we all understand this um, and do invest to make these these very, very, very important collaborations and um, and certifications, most definitely. Just to give an indication, you know, I mean, a, a spe- it may or may not be possible. What kind of time frame would you be looking at for to become GOTS compliant and certified? Um, well, it depends. It depends on the current demand. It depends on okay. 
the resources the certifiers have at that moment. Also. And I guess which continent, yeah. Which continent, um, but usually from, say, um, initial request uh, to certification, it can happen within two months. Fantastic. Brilliant. It's great. Fantastic. There's no reason not to do it then. Exactly. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You know, I, like having been in factories myself and, 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 and seeing the implementation of GOTS, it, it simply also helps companies to become aware of, okay, where are we? It's sort of, you know, where are we standing um, when it comes to environmental criteria, when it comes to social criteria, and how can we improve? Yeah. It's almost like a, like a handbook, like a guideline. Yeah. Um, which is super helpful, especially because it's a, it's a vast ocean. There's so much you can do, um, but this gives you some indication and, and, and help. Definitely. Those, those stepping stones that kind of, yeah, put the jigsaw puzzle together and they have applications beyond, beyond GOTS when, you know, when people will start to look at other certifications for other product lines as well. But it, it's all, you know, it, it's becoming much, much more, more crucial and it, it is a big part of our industry's future that um, not just the components of print, but the whole supply chain is, is traceable and transparent. And only by assuring that that is in place can we actually best serve our customers um, and their stipulations in the future, you know, which are not a long way away. We're only talking, you know, very, very short time frame to having to be using sub- certified components in all of our production processes mm-hmm. most definitely mm-hmm. julian thank you so so much for joining us today um very very interesting talk um and i look forward to listening to your um your next video um and presentation as we did back at esma in october last year very very interesting and um yeah encourage everybody to start to um invest for their business in the future of our environment. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for, well, for providing this space and um, for having me and uh, spreading the word, supporting the mission. We all have to do that and we all have to get louder and louder, I think. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah, this is, um, this is, this is the time for action. So we need to crack on. Julian, thank you so much. Pleasure thank speaking you so with much. you. Lovely speaking to you. Thank you.